authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we give you praise for this opportunity to come into your presence tonight. Lord, you said in your word, we're two or three gathered in your name. There you are in the midst. So we just thank you that we believe we receive your presence here on this evening. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to get in amongst saints and be in your word tonight. Holy Spirit, you are indeed welcome in this place. We pray, Lord, let revelation knowledge flow freely, unchecked and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. Father, I pray that you would indeed speak through my vocal cords and think through my mind. None of me and all of you, I pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be in operation. We thank you, Lord, for a word in due season, for articulation of your heart. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Everyone did say amen. All right, let's make this confession of our faith. Say, Father, I've come to receive revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from your holy word and I fully expect the Holy Spirit to bear witness with my spirit concerning revelation of the word and how to apply it in my life on an everyday basis amen amen and amen kind of rapidly pick up where we left off on Sunday in this area of how we hear from God, how we hear from God. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about knowing the essence of his voice. And we've said in the past that the essence of his voice is that when he speaks, when God speaks to us, he always speaks from the position of truth. Yes, because it's on the board. Yes, always from the position of truth, love, faith, peace in life. And we looked at different verses in regards to that. And we've indicated to you before that it's important that you understand that. Before we get into talking about how we hear from God, we got to understand the essence of his voice. He's always going to be the voice of truth. The voice of truth. And I've indicated to you in the past, it doesn't mean truth that you want to hear or the truth as you define it. He is truth itself. So whatever you think that truth is, God can show up in your life and he overrides that by saying, listen, this is what the truth actually is because I am the truth. Jesus says, sanctify them according to thy word. Thy word is truth. We got to get that in our spirits that the word of God is the final authority. It is the truth. When God speaks to us, he always speaks from the position or from the position of love because the Bible tells us that God is love. He doesn't have it. He doesn't possess it. That is what he is. So anytime God speaks to us, it is always from the position of love. Now, from love, that also is where we begin to understand that the commandments, that the discipline, that the correction that he gives us in our lives is always from that of love. The reason why a father would correct their son, the reason why a father would correct their daughter, the reason why a mother would correct their children is because we love them. And we see things in them that perhaps they don't see in themselves. So the corrective methods, the corrective things that we're doing in their life has everything to do with the fact that we love them. And so it is, if we can understand it with our natural selves, we need to understand that where God is concerned, that when God speaks to us, when he corrects us, when he leads us, it's always from the position of love. And then we said he's also, when he speaks to us, he always speaks for us from the position of faith. Faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I would not have the ability to believe God if I did not have him as the author of the faith. His word is the reason why I have the ability to believe. So faith coming by hearing what he said. He said to Abraham, he said, if you follow me, I'm going to bless you. Abraham took God at his word. And we said that he is the voice of peace, peace. And that what we're going to talk about tonight has a lot to do with this area of peace as well. And we also indicated to you that he is always, always speaking from the position of life because he is life itself. Now, on Sunday, we began talking about specifically these areas, these six ways the Holy Spirit leads us. Six ways the Holy Spirit leads us. You see this at probably, I don't know, page 
one in your outlines. The first way is by his written word. The first way the Holy Spirit leads us is through his written word. The second way that he leads us is through the inward witness. The third way he leads us is through visions, dreams, and trances. The fourth way that we're going to discuss in which he leads us is in the way of angels dealing with us and in accounting uh, angels and angelic hosts. The fifth way that we're going to talk about is by gifts of the spirit. The sixth way is by the audible voice. And none of these other than the number one way can be taken in a particular order. I just haven't listed this particular way. The only one that I will put as number one is the written word. And the reason is because, like I said, you got to understand the written word so that regardless of what voice I'm hearing, if it doesn't match the book, I throw that voice out. If it doesn't match what I find in the word of God. And one of the things you'll discover is that when God speaks to you, he doesn't have a problem. He's saying, well, Lord, where is that in the Bible? Lord, where, where is this? I have found so many times in my own prayer time that, you know, when, I'm, when, when I feel like the Lord is saying something to me and I'm just like, well, Lord, where is this? And he'll show me exactly where the word, where he is, where, where it said that in the book. Because the Bible says that God is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. There is no separation between God and his word. So when I come across strange Christians that talk about God said this and it is in direct violation of what the book says, then I know I've found a Christian that is in violation of what God said. Now you said I got this new revelation and it's in, it's in direct contradiction to what God says, then we got, a, we got a problem here. You got to figure out is what they saying, who you going to go what they say or you going to go what, what God is saying. Let me give you another case in point because this is in my heart. One of the things that you will see today, there is a, a growth within the body of Christ of a pluralistic attitude and perspective. You say, what is pluralism? That is the belief system that there are multiple ways to God. Now, we've discussed in this church the nine areas in the book of John where Jesus makes declarative statements about who he says he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man comes to the Father except by me. The word except is a very exclusivistic statement, which means there is no other entry point to the Father. There is no entry point to heaven except through Jesus as Savior and Lord. But today, what's happening is, again, there's this introduction of a pluralistic thought process that says, well, you can believe a little bit of this, you can believe a little bit of that, you can believe a little bit of this. Well, the Bible does not indicate that. And you got to make up your mind. You're either going to stick with the book or you're going to allow yourselves to be open to all of these other voices that are contradicting what God says. And this is the reason why we've said on Sunday... I had a quick review, five things, I think it's, yeah, five things we need to understand about the word. Number one, the Bible is God's word to his people. One of the things you'll discover is that everybody does not understand the word of God. There are a lot of people that read the Bible, but they don't have the Holy Spirit to help them in the interpretation of what they're in fact reading. In so many ways, this might sound strange, but the Bible is like a coded book. You need the author with you to fully understand it. The second thing that you need to understand about the word is that God's laws, his precepts, his principles never change. His precepts and his principles, they never, they never, they never change. Ritual laws change. Traditions change. But his precepts Thou shalt not steal is just the same today as it was in the Old Testament. Thou shalt not kill is just the same, the same today as it was in the Old Testament. The precepts and the principles never change. We said number three, the Holy Spirit reveals, teaches, and guides the accurate understanding of the word. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and he is our guide. And if you will open yourself to him, he will guide you into the accurate understanding of the word. One of the ways he does so is by the fivefold gifts of the ministry, the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, uh, the prophet. <clears throat> he guides through these areas 
in order for the saints to grow up in the things of God. Another way he guides is in your area of devotion. When you spend time with him, that he'll lead you in regards to how do you understand how this part goes with that part, how this part goes with this part. There have been so many times in my own personal life where I might have been studying something in my own devotional time. And I'm spending time with God, and I'm like, Lord, I need to understand some things in regards to this. And one of the things about it is if you allow God, he will put you in the right position with the right folks that will open up that particular piece of scripture to you or he'll put you in the right position whereby he'll show you some other things and some more illustrations number four things that we need to know about the word of God is that God and his word are one I already said this there is no separation between God and his word and the fifth thing of course we said is that we need to understand that the Bible is God's word to me it's his word to me. There has to be a development of this concept on the inside of you. This is my heavenly father, particularly when we're talking in terms of from the book of Acts to the book of Revelation in this new covenant. This is the spirit of God speaking to me. And I receive it as my heavenly father speaking and dealing with me. Five things we need to understand about the word. But tonight, my assignment... <laughs> I have a lot and I'm sitting here, standing here trying to figure out how to not have us here all night. <laughs> My assignment tonight is to kind of begin us looking at this area of the inward witness, to talk about the inward witness. Well, in order to talk about the inward witness, we have to understand some basis about the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, as you see in your outlines, you have all the scriptural references. What we understand is that they were spiritually dead because of the original sin of Adam. The book of Ezekiel calls their hearts, they literally had hearts of stone. A heart of stone is a heart that's disconnected from God. No sensitivity towards God. Before you get born again, that's exactly where your heart position is. You don't have a sensitivity to the Spirit of God because your heart is cold towards the things of God. You might even, before you get born again, you might have a sense that, you know, there's something about, you hear folks that are not born again say, there's something about when I go to church. There's something about, but you can't put your finger on what it is because you don't have them on the inside of you to that, that your heart is now sensitive to his very presence. In the Old Testament, because of the original sin, they were disconnected from God. And so everything that God did with them had to be done through the externals. Now, when we understand that concept, we begin to understand a lot about maybe perhaps the book of Exodus where God's dealing with, with Moses and the children of Israel through clouds and fires and all kinds of things because God is dealing with man from the externals. He's dealing with them from the outside. God speaks at this point in the Old Testament through this position of leadership. He speaks through primarily through, through the uh, givers of the law, such as Moses. He speaks through the prophets, and he speaks through also his kings in the Old Testament. So it's a leadership thing. So the people individually didn't hear from God. They are considered in the Old Testament servants of God. No man shall see God and live is what God told Moses. That's in the old covenant. Now, in the new covenant, though, in the New Testament, when you get born again, the Bible says that you have become spiritually alive. You now have a heart of flesh. What does that mean? My heart is now sensitive to the spirit of God. This is the reason why when I run across somebody that says they're born again and then they're living in an area of sin, all I got to do is start praying for them because I already know that the spirit of God is dealing with them on the inside concerning that particular area. Because you have a heart of flesh. You can't just exist in sin and be comfortable when you are a born again believer. God, the Holy Spirit, begins dealing with you from the inside, telling you now, you know, you, you need to fix this. Like, you, like, like now. <laughs> the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means he abides and speaks to you 
directly. This is something that's different than it was in the Old Testament. He dealt strictly with leadership. He didn't talk directly to the people. In fact, in the book of Exodus, it talks about that God said, bring everybody to the mountain. And the people came to the mountain and God began coming down on the mountain and the fire came and the lightning came and all these things. And they said, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to talk to God. Moses, you go talk to him. Well, in the New Testament, we don't have anything to be afraid of where God is concerned because he says he's placed his spirit on the inside of us, which cries, Abba, Father, which literally means Daddy God. In the New Testament, we are now servants and, but we're also sons and daughters. In the New Testament, because of Jesus, holiness allows us to get into the very presence of God himself. Now watch this. Let's look over here at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Anybody got any questions on these things that I would cover? Nope. All right. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Now watch this. In the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, God's dealing with Israel. Israel is therefore set up as a priest, holy unto God, separate out from every other nation of the world. Jesus comes to bring us all in to this new covenant of grace. And in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9, it says, But ye, he's, this is Peter speaking to the church, he says, But ye are a chosen generation a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should bring forth praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Verse 10 says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which has not obtained mercy, but now has have obtained mercy. Mercy. Now watch this out of the Amplifier really quick. He says, but you are a chosen race. The word chosen generation, that word literally means a chosen ethnos, which means that we are a chosen, as the Amplifier amplifies that out, he says a chosen race of people. Now, the more you begin to meditate on this, this begins to change your perspective where the racial lines are concerned. The issue that we've had, particularly in America, is that one group of people like look, use religion to subjugate another group of people. One of the things that you discover when you, when you look at the history of the country of America is that one of the arguments that, that some of the early slaves had towards their masters is, listen, we're supposed to be born-again believers. We're supposed to be the same and in Christ Jesus. So how in the world can you do this to us? And it's, of course, you know, when, when you have people that are more interested in money than they are God, they come up with different laws and different rules so they can change these things and act like uh, the Bible didn't say what it says. And, in fact, one of the things you'll discover is that in a, in a traditional plantation Bible, there are whole passages of Scripture that they just pulled out. Because it's like, no, you don't need that. You know, equal in Christ Jesus, you don't need all that. All you need is slaves be subject to their master without any explanation as to that. He says, but you are a chosen race of people. When we understand that there is the race and the colors are washed away by the blood of Jesus, that my brother and my sister in the Lord is a special group of people because we are, that's what makes us brothers. That's what makes us sisters in the Lord because we are covered and we are of the same blood, the blood of Jesus. He says you are a chosen race of people. He says a royal priesthood. Royal indicates your relationship with God, that you are now no longer it doesn't matter who's called royal king, her majesty over in England. The Bible says that God is the king of the earth. He's the king of the universe. And he says that he is now your Abba Father, your daddy God. So that makes you royalty, regardless of how you feel. You lift your hands up, your head up when you go to school because you're a child of the king. You lift your head up when you go to work. Don't let the devil tell you you're anything but what you are. You are royalty. 
He says, a royal priesthood. Well, what is a priesthood? That means that you are people that are called of God, a special group of people that have relationship with the king that are now in the position by which you serve the king. Serve him at church, serve him with your life. A consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession so that you may now, so, so that you may proclaim the excellencies so he says, I possess you as my own people so that you can proclaim to the world the excellencies, the wonderful deeds and the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. But the reality is you got to know and believe who he says that you are. This is a big issue when it comes to so many believers. They don't know who they are. And so when you don't know who you are, when you don't know what God calls you, you leave yourself open for anybody and anything to redirect and reinterpret who you are. My personality, who I am, is not defined by somebody up the street. It's defined by what God says I am. It's not defined by what you say I am because you might say I'm not worth nothing, but God says I'm a royal priesthood. And the more I spend time with my Heavenly Father, my self-identity begins to change. Now, let's get into some of these areas here. Let's look, let's start here. <clears throat> so we said the first area we covered was this area of the, the written word. The second area that we're gonna look at on this evening which kind of dovetails with what I'm talking about now is the inward witness, the inward witness, the inward witness. Well, let's look at this term witness. When you're in a courthouse and they call for a witness to stand on the stand, a witness is someone that stands in place to testify of an event. A witness is someone that testifies of a fact because we weren't present there. Now, there are four definitions, if you will, that we're gonna look at when we think in terms of a witness. The first one is a witness is the assertion of a fact or an event. A witness is the assertion of a fact or an event. A witness is one that gives evidence a witness is one who has personal knowledge of something. And then a witness is someone or something serving as evidence or proof. So we talk in terms of what is this inward witness? It is the voice of your renewed spirit. The inward witness is the voice of your renewed spirit. Now look, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body. Right here is where we begin to understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a physical body. Your spirit man is the part of you, the inward, or the, as Peter says, the hidden man of the heart is the part that is connected to God the day you get born again. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, the Amplified Version, that is grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior. He is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. So the day you get born again, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You look at your hands, they don't, they don't look different. You look at your feet, they, they don't look different. And in reality is the way you think, that hasn't changed either. The only part of you that's changed is your spirit. We indicated to you on Sunday, it's likened unto, uh, I, I use the example uh, of a laptop, that a laptop is created by its creator to have on the inside of it an antenna. The antenna 
that's on the inside of it is created to connect with Wi-Fi. Well, the day you get your laptop, particularly when you bring it home, it's not hooked up to the system, to the Wi-Fi system. Now, the Wi-Fi system in your house, if you pay for it, if it's there, like even right here in this church, is running whether you see it or not. It's present whether you see any of the results of it or not. The only way that you're able to tap into it is by having an antenna that's turned on to receive the information that's coming in and out of this building. Well, the day you get born again, what happens is your spirit man is flipped alive. It's like the antenna that Wi-Fi is flipped on. Now, my computer, just like a computer system, now can receive data from every different kind of place. Now your spirit man can receive from the different things of the Holy Spirit because he is now on the inside of you, flowing on the inside of you. So what does this look like? The Holy Spirit comes in on the inside of your spirit man, connecting you to him. The original Wi-Fi system, if you could even say it like that. This is the reason why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When you get born again, now all of a sudden you are now, you have that heart of flesh. You have that sensitivity to God. Now all of a sudden your spirit is now connected with the Holy Spirit. And now, but what has to happen is your soul has to be renewed. Renewed means that it has to be reshaped into thinking more like God than thinking like the world. This is the reason why if a child gets born again at an early age, it's easier for them to kind of just grow up in the things of God, grow up in the church, grow up in, in the knowledge of God uh, at a young age, and they don't have to unlearn stuff. If you get born again in your 40s, if you get born again in your 20s, then you have a whole litany of things that you need to unlearn. If you get born again when you're 35, now you might have one perspective about how you're supposed to treat women. You got to learn that stuff. And this is one of the reasons why the church is filled with so many different kind of people on different levels is because everybody hasn't gotten enough word on the inside of them that's renewed their thinking to sound they can start thinking the way God thinks. When you start thinking the way God thinks, you begin behaving the way he wants you to behave. When you begin behaving the way he wants you to behave, this is called holiness. So my soul has to be renewed. Be ye not transformed, conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, the reshaping of your mind. And then my body will follow behind whatever is stronger. If my spirit is leading the way because I have the word on the inside of me and my thinking is renewed, then my body is going to act exactly what my body is going to act exactly like my soul and my spirit is telling it to do. But now if my soul is going one way, my spirit is crying, holy, thank you, God, I want you, Lord Jesus. But the way I think is something different. Now I've got to struggle. And it's only when I get a hold of the word of God through understanding that I begin to transform that old thinking to conform to what God says, which is in agreement with my spirit, man. And that's called holiness. Let's keep going. Let's go back to that scripture. It says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ that is grafted in, join to him by faith, in him as savior. He is a new creature reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. Old things, the old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Well, the previous old and spiritual condition, yes, because you become a new creation in Christ, your spirit becomes new. He says, behold, old things have passed away or old things have, have come because, um, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting the King James and looking at the Amplified. New things have come because spiritual awakening brings a new life. Now, so the day you get born again, you now have a new residence on the inside of you the new residence of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you then becomes a witness of who you are. He now sets on the inside of you declaring who you are and anytime you get hold of the word, you, you, you can tell on the inside of you there's an amen on the inside of you. 
This is the reason why the devil fights so hard against the teaching of the word because the more you get hold of the word of God, the more you understand the word of God, your spirit man begins to get stronger and stronger and stronger and he, the spirit, the spirit that you want begins to lead the way instead of your soul. The spirit man begins to lead the way instead of your mind, your will, and your emotions, which is what the soul is. So I'm not moved by what my emotions say. I'm moved by what God says. My emotions, when, 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 when I'm at church and the spirit of God is telling me, I want you to sow this seed, my emotions might be saying, man, I don't do what? You want me what? You want me to give? You, you, what, what you talking about you want me to give? But on the inside of me, I sense a sense of peace because God is leading me to make this move. Your spirit is always in agreement with what God wants for and in your life. <clears throat> you understand that? Say amen. Any questions on these things? Okay, all right. One of those nights tonight. All right, let's keep going down. I'm watching my time here. All right. On your outline, you see this, the voice of your spirit, the spirit that's connected to God. The Holy Spirit is on the inside. Let me say this, and let me put a pause here too. Your spirit is not the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is connected to the Holy Spirit. And one of the things you'll notice, and I'm gonna kinda of show you this a little bit here, is that when your spirit is leading you, it's, it's, a, it's sometimes your spirit leads, the, the spirit man leads through like vague impressions where you get a sense of God telling me to go this way or go that way. You got a sense of God just leading me this direction and I don't know all these things in there. I just got a sense because it's connected to the spirit of God. Now the Holy Spirit's voice is a little bit more directive. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's, it's more of a do this, do that. And you know, I'm supposed to, you might not know exactly how things are going to work out, but it's more of a, de a, a, a declarative voice on the inside of your spirit. Whereas the voice of your human spirit is a voice that's just connected to God and you get a sense. It's sort of like, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I can tell when somebody else is born again because we are of the same spirit. I can, when I'm around somebody that, you know, especially when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, I can tell they, you know, you know, we, we, we might not know each other. You know, and yeah, I've been in times where I'm just around someone, I'm like, you say it, ain't you? And like, yeah, me too. We got the same spirit. We have the same blood. We have the same ethnos. It's, it's, it's just, it just flows together because of the fact we're connected to the same God. The voice of the spirit, therefore, confirms, reveals, and authenticates. It confirms, it reveals, and it authenticates. The inward witness, you notice the first definition is the assertion <laughs> of a fact or an event. So the first thing that we got to understand about the inward witness, it is first thing that it begins to do is it confirms the fact of your new identity. And I'm kind of speaking around in circles because I feel like this is kind of how I'm being led tonight that I'm saying the same thing, different kind of ways. The first thing that the inward witness does, is it does is confirms your new identity. Let's look at this really quick, because it's Bible study. Romans chapter eight and verse 16. Romans chapter eight and verse 16. Now the New King James Version of the Bible says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Well, what is or who is the Spirit himself? The Holy Spirit, we could say it like that. Himself bears witness with our spirit, our, re, our new recreated spirit, that we are children of God. So the first thing that begins to happen is the Spirit of God confirms on the inside of you that you've been born again. I've said in the past, I'll say again tonight, before when, before I was born again, somebody won't talk about hell, I used to sweat a little bit. I'd be like, well, wait now, you know, and they talk about the brimstone and they talk about, you know, I remember one time a minister was teaching, and he was like, well, ain't gonna be no hookups now. When you exit the body, if you ain't got Jesus, I mean, there's no turning back at this point. And I was like, oh, Jesus, oh, and I just felt some kind of way. But when I got born again, it didn't matter to, any, to me anymore about how much you talked about hell because I knew on the inside of me that my destination was taken care of. 
it was sealed because my new identity was in Christ Jesus. I remember just as clear day. It might show you how, how, how long I've been in the faith. Uh, before I got born again, I got this brand new album that came out called The Chronic. It was Dr. Dre's new album. And that album, bless God, you couldn't listen to that nowhere in the house and not get in trouble with, with, with your grandmother. And I, so, you know, back then they just had the Walkmans and you put it on your ears and all that. And I love that album. It was, and still is, quite vulgar. <laughs> but it was the new album. But the day I got born again, all of a sudden, I didn't want to hear this anymore. My, I, I tried to listen to the same stuff and I, it didn't do the same thing for me. All of a sudden it's like, I don't, want, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to listen to this stuff anymore. Because on the inside of me, there was a new resident saying, you know, you know, yeah, that ain't me. That, that, that's not how you're supposed to do things. There was a new witness that bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. That is what your human recreated spirit, the first thing it does is, is your spirit now testifies to you on the inside that you have a new identity. You have a new father. Verse 17 says, and if children, then heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now watch this really quick in the um, Amplified. It says, the Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we are believers and are children of God. That's the reason why you know whether or not you say, I say, I say, I say, just like you can be a person standing in a garage and not be a car, you can be a person sitting in church and not be a Christian. You know whether or not you're born again. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you testifies to your new identity. Let's keep going. The second thing we need to understand is that the inward witness he serves as evidence or proof. He serves as evidence or proof. That's the second definition that we saw. What is the evidence and proof that he serves that? He confirms that God is greater. I don't care what I'm faced with. You know, when someone is ministering the word of God, on the inside of you, your spirit man begins to say, yeah, I need some more of that. Yeah, give me some more of that. Because the greater one lives on the inside of you. So regardless of what you're facing, regardless of the obstacles that are in front of you, your human spirit that's recreated with the Holy Spirit now confirms that regardless of what I see, God's greater than that. That every, at every, everything must bow to the name of Jesus. He says God is greater. He's larger and stronger than anything in life. And he lives, he has residence on the inside of you. First John chapter 4 and verse 4. He says, you, or ye, as King James says, are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The great one lives on the inside of you. See, now the devil tries to show up and tell you that lack is greater than the God that you serve. He tries to tell you that sickness is greater than the God that you serve. But on the inside of you, more and more as you get the word of God, the great one that's on the inside of you says, I'm bigger than that. I've overcome that. And because when you place faith in me, this is the victory that overcomes the world. He says, even your faith. Let's keep going really quick for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of you? Now what was going on in uh, the church at Corinth is they had an abundance of fornication, all kind of crazy stuff was going on. And Paul was writing them, telling them, don't you realize that every time you enter into an area of fornication that it's like, it's like people sleeping with Jesus because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. What he's essentially admonishing them is, don't you realize that you have a new residency? Someone on the inside of you. So every time you commit a sin, you're taking Jesus with you. 
Every time you smoke a little weed, you're taking Jesus with you to smoke the weed with you. Every time you do all these kind of other things, don't you realize that he is going with you everywhere? And the reason why you're feeling convicted, the reason why you're feeling like, I got to quit doing this, is because on the inside of you, your spirit is connected to the Holy Ghost, and he's convicting you of this area of sin, calling you back to an area of righteousness. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 26. Let's look at that really quick. Are you getting anything out of this? Colossians chapter 1 and verse 26 says, Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to, the, to his saints. He says, verse 27, To whom God made, would make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, the anointed one on the inside of you, the hope of glory. What is the hope of glory? Another way of saying or seeing that is the hope of manifestation. Greater is he that's on the inside of you. God desiring with your life to do something through you. He lives on the inside of you because you have now become a part of his body. And being a part of his body, he wants to do something through and with your very life for a person that's submitted to him. Third area, the inward witness, one that gives evidence, confirms that we are grafted within Jesus by the Holy Spirit. We are grafted within Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Let me show you this really quick and we're going to close. What is grafting? Grafting, if you see on this slide, is actually a technique that you do when you take two pieces and you wrap them together. Two pieces of a plant, perhaps, and you wrap them together. I knew you would have a question here. Yes. You see it sometimes with bonsai trees, where they take one piece and they connect it with another piece, and if they wrap it together and it heals together, it becomes one plant. That makes sense? Hmm? And it only works with certain plants now. So don't go outside picking up a piece of weed or a limb that you see on the ground. So there has to be a level of life in both parts for it to be grafted together. Does that make sense? Like I said, don't go outside and get a piece of grass and try to wrap it together. It has to be a certain kind of tree. I found this out just doing a little research for this particular teaching that this concept actually existed. But as you see on this latter one right here is when you wrap two pieces together and it connects together to become one piece. Now let's look with that in mind back to this scripture. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is grafted in, joined in by him, to, uh, to him by faith in him as Savior. That's what happens when we get born again. Jesus is the root. <laughs> We're grafted in. He brings us in. We're connected to him so that we start growing together as just one. Does that make sense? So he confirms the second area or the third area is that we are grafted into Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Now the last one, I want to give you this really, really quick, is that the inward witness, and we'll talk more about this on Sunday, is that the inward witness reveals the promises of God to us. The inward witness reveals the promises of God to us. Remember we said a minute ago that one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is that he is our teacher and he's our guide. Well, he teaches us and he guides us through the inward witness. He's the one that leads us to his word. He's the one that leads us in life. He's the one that speaks to us on the inside. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us. 
So we've not received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit of God so that we can know the things that are freely given to us. I told you again that the Bible is a coded book. It, it only works for the believer. It's a coded book even in the sense among church folks because everybody that, that's in church doesn't apply faith in the Bible to get the results that the Bible says that we can have. It only comes about through applied faith. The Holy Spirit will show you how things work because one of his names or one of the things that he is, is, is the Bible defines him as the parakletos, which is he is our help, standby, our strengthener, our comforter, our counselor, our advocate, and our intercessor. And he lives on the inside of you. This is the reason why we, when we go through life, we are never alone because he goes with us everywhere we go. This is the reason why also when we're in the Bible, in our devotion time, we can believe that God will reveal things to us by his spirit. I remember a couple years ago, I was at Raymond's Robotics um, competition and my sister came and she wrote a book. She had just published the book and I was kind of reading through it. I got my copy and I was looking through it while Raymond wasn't up. And I remember I was, I was reading through maybe chapter one or chapter two and I was like, she was giving an illustration of something that she had gone through. And I said, I said, well, I wonder what she means here. Well, Shamika at the time was sitting like two seats down from me. So I leaned over and I said, hey, hey, look here. What, what you mean when you say this here? And she looked back, she said, oh, well, this means this, and then, you know, cause this, you remember this, 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 I said, oh, okay, I understand what you're saying. And I saw something that particular day that I said other times, but it just hit me real good that most people don't see the Holy Spirit as being present with you all the time. That when I'm reading the Bible, he's with you right there, right then. The author is always with you. When I open my Bible, I have an expectation to receive from God because he's not some distant God off in the way somewhere, but he's present with me now for he lives on the inside of me. So I can have an expectation, Lord, I just want to spend time with you today. Show me some things from your word because you are my counselor. You are the one that's my advocate. You are my help. You are the one that's my strength. You are my guide. Show me some things, God. I want to understand your word. The Bible says that Jesus said that blessed are the hungry for they shall be fed. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. God is always looking for people that are hungry for him. And he says, when you get hungry for me and you get hungry for my word, I guarantee you, you're going to be fed. You ain't got to worry about that. Now, religion says that, you know, you got to really just, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. No, God says, I'm always there. Just receive me by faith. When I spend my time in my devotions, God, I believe that your presence is here because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I am your child, and I'm going to just spend some time with you, Daddy, this morning. And so I just want to, as I get in your word, Holy Spirit, show me what I need to know today. And you'll be amazed as, as you just start applying faith in this basic area that the Holy Spirit is present with me now. And that doesn't mean that you're going to feel a tingle all the time. Praise God if you do. But he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Now, praise God if you feel a shout. But if I don't feel anything, I believe because he said it. And I receive revelation. Let's pray. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus, God, we thank you and we give you praise that you are ever-present help. You are our ever-present teacher and our guide. Lord, we thank you that you are the one that's leading us from the inside out. And as we become more sensitive to your voice, Lord, Lord, just help us to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. God, we just pray that you will help us to be slow to speak in times where we feel our emotions are getting ahead of us. Help us, God, to, to have self-control and operate in temperance, God. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that loves us. You are the one that's teaching us. You are the one that's counseling us to be better people. 
And so, Lord, as an act of our will, we just decide to just say, Lord, we submit to your process, to your leanings, your guidance, even, God, when we don't understand. And we thank you, Lord, that all is well in our house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The most repeated question by Jesus during his ministry was this. Have you never read? Have you never read? Underneath that simple question is a life-altering implication. You should read the Word of God. That's why Jesus also says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus knows that there is a spiritual hunger inside of every human heart that can only be satisfied by consuming the words of God. Christian, give yourself to the Word of God. The Word of God is a rock, strong and steady. It doesn't budge, break, or crumble under pressure. It's an anchor in the storm, keeping us calm when everything around us is chaotic. The Word of God is a mirror showing us who we really are. You don't just read the Word of God, it reads you. It's a treasure, beautiful in every dimension and worth every effort of discovery. It brings endless joy and eternal riches to all who find it. It's a fire spreading across the world to bring heat and light. It's a river bringing life and power to everything it touches. The Word of God is a seed planted deep inside of our hearts, producing the fruit of holiness and righteousness. The Word of God is a sword, dividing true and false, right and wrong, good and evil. It's a hammer, crushing what needs to be crushed and breaking what needs to be broken. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to show us our path. So let the voice of God be the first the last and the loudest voice in your ear today, tomorrow, and for the rest of your life. Give yourself to the Word of God.